Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. For those who are being broken over their sin and are turning to God in repentance, a single verse like that is a treasure trove of spiritual knowledge. When David was confronted by the prophet Nathan over his affair with Bathsheba, his response was not to make an excuse or blame others. In his heart-wrenching prayer of repentance, he pleaded with the Lord, cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 51 is touching, brilliant, and artistic. But it's not included in the Bible for us merely to appreciate. It's there like a blazing lighthouse, showing us the way to sail safely back into the harbor of God's redemption. He's asking for the renewing of the truth that was once there, and he's praying for that unbroken fellowship with God. And so what would be the point of repenting if it wasn't bringing us back to God and and back to fellowship with Him. In today's show, I'll have a discussion with one of our biblical counselors about this iconic psalm. Thanks for joining us again for our latest series, A Firm Foundation. Here we go. Okay, so this is the fourth episode in our series, A Firm Foundation. Steve Martin's with me. Steve, you're a counselor in our residential program. Mm -hmm. How long have you been counseling? About five years. Okay, all right. So, um, Steve, you're going to be speaking to us from Psalm 51, so I'm definitely appreciative that you're here. Thank you. Okay, so here's where we're at the series. I want to just kind of bring people up to speed. This series is intended to give people a hunger for the Word of God and to show them that you can build your life on the Word of God. It's a firm foundation, Mm -hmm. and it's the words of God, and so we should be hungry for the words of God. Like Jesus said, you won't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we want to give people hopefully a hunger for that and equip them to study for themselves because it can be, it's a challenge. It's not real easy to study. You know, it's it's a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. So in the series, Pastor Steve opened up, he talked about the dangers of wandering into sin and God's warnings against wandering into sin. Then we talked about the heart of God for those who have sinned, for people who haven't listened. What is his heart for them? Um, His heart is love and mercy and compassion. And then we talked about um, in Hosea 2 how God works to try to bring a person back to him, looking at Hosea 2, which describes some of God's dealings with people who are in idolatry. So now what we want to do is we want to sort of move to a another section, basically, and talk about what should our response be to all of that. You know, if we have been in sin, what should our response be to the fact that he warned us, his heart of compassion, and the fact that he's been trying to bring us back to him? And I see a little bit of our response, what it should be, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, where 
the Lord says to Solomon in verse 14 of chapter 7, um, this is from the ESV, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we're going to, in the next four shows, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek the face of God. Turn from your wicked ways. And all of this in context is obviously about a people who are in trouble, right? They're in spiritual trouble. Um, if, you, if you go back to chapter 6, Solomon is praying to the Lord and saying, if your people are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against you, that's verse 24. Verse 26, when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they've sinned against you. Um, verse 28, if there's famine in the land, if there's pestilence or blight or mildew. Verse 34, if your people go out to battle against their enemies, right? Verse 36, if they sin against you and you're angry with them and give them to their enemies. So the context is, if people have messed up badly, they've disobeyed, they've rebelled, they have not listened to the words of God, and they recognize it and they see it, what should they do? And that's where God's words comes to Solomon, if my people will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. So that's the next four shows. You're going to deal with Psalm 51 mm -hmm. in this show. And then in the next show, you'll be back with us and we'll be looking at God's command to pray. And we'll be looking at Luke 11 and Psalm 107 for that. So, okay, that gets us up to speed. Let's talk then about Psalm 51, which is just an incredibly profound psalm, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you give us some of the background to this psalm? What's the context? Um, the context is after David had sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery, and had worked it out that her husband would get killed, and that did in fact happen. And then he invites her to the palace to be his wife, mm. and eventually God sent Nathan the prophet to him, and David had concealed his sin. And the prophet Nathan told him a story in, in a way that it helped David to see his sin, and then Nathan said, you're this man that I'm talking about. And so David, through that, came to realize his guilt and sin. This psalm came out of that guilt. Mm. Um, so then when you think about Psalm 51, and as you've read through it, and we're talking about this first command, you know, humble yourself. Psalm 51, I mean, it couldn't be more clear David has humbled himself, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, where do, you, where do you see that as you read through this? In the very first verse, um, we can see David going to God, and he's going to him based on mercy. And it's very real to David that he's not coming to God as the king or mm. having something to present to God, 
but he's stripped from everything that he would present, and he comes to God in need of mercy, and and he comes to God based on God's character. Hmm. It's not David trying to present something or change the way it happened or anything. He's just, no, I'm guilty. And so that's how he came to God. Which, I mean, (laughs) I think if we are aware of ourselves, then we can see that we don't, I mean, we don't always do this. No. Right? (laughs) Like we have those things that we present to God. Even when we know we've sinned. Right. Yes. It's natural to want to cover ourselves. Mm. Yeah. What are what are some of the things like you've been a counselor for five years? What do you see guys in sin covering themselves with? What do they bring? Typically, right up front, they'll admit the sin that they've committed, but Typically, there's a hardness of heart and not really seeing that it came out of their heart and the condition of their heart. Um, most guys think that if I just deal with this sexual sin, get it out of my life, I'll be fine. So beneath all of that is the heart and the lifestyle that they have lived for a long time, mm. most likely. So yeah, most guys are and delusion about what they're really like because a lot of the guys are going to church and are hearing truth, but the truth isn't necessarily living in them. It's separate. Mm. So one of the things that you just said was that the guys have to see that the sin was coming from their heart and it was a sort of like flowing from their heart, right? Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. you can see the condition of the heart based on how the person was living. Where do you see that in this psalm that David was not like that? We can see it right up front. I have a clip out of Pastor Steve's book, At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry. Yeah. And In chapter 6, in the root issues, Pastor Steve wrote this about David. Uh, When David was confronted by the prophet Nathan over his affair with Bathsheba, his response was not to make an excuse or blame others. In his heart-wrenching prayer of repentance, he pleaded with the Lord, cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you only. I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. So that was Psalm uh, 51, verse 2 to 4, where he came, yeah, he came under conviction and he owned it. Like he didn't try to cover it up or anything. The prophet did a good job. It laid his heart bare. Mm. And so that's what has to happen. Mm. Yeah. I I think one of the, one of the things that would be so helpful for people, especially when you're reading through the Psalms, is just to really spend time meditating on the Psalms Mm. 
and just asking yourself, like, what can you observe about what you're reading? Because when you think about the context of what David had done, who he had been, mm-hmm. you know, he had had a real walk with God and he was close to the Lord. There was an intimacy there with the Lord. And then you come, however many years this is, past that, and you're like watching his life just disintegrate. And he's doing things you could never imagine a man like that doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, what has he become to do something like that? And then what is his response to all of that, and you just see in his confession, there's a lot, of, there's grief, mm-hmm. there's this, like, he is so aware, what I have become is horrible, mm-hmm. and no one is to blame except for me. There's no blame shifting. No. No, you can see that in verse 5 where he says, for I was born, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, a sinner, um, kind of paraphrasing. But he, he's not justifying his sin, and he's also owning the fact that it's coming out of his very nature. Like, mm. I'm a sinner by nature, and I've sinned. It's me. Like, I have nowhere to hide. I don't have anything to stand behind. When I think about David and look at his humility, what I look at is the contriteness that he had. And so the contriteness that he had before God was where his natural pride had been humbled and he had a consciousness of guilt. So Mm -hmm. with the humility, when we come before God, we have to come before him with that contriteness where we're broken, um, the natural pride has been brought down. Hmm. And without that, we're not going to go anywhere with the Lord. Hmm. And so just thinking about looking at David's life, the, the way he came to the Lord and then repented of his sin, but he didn't stop there. Um, in verse 2, he says, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. So he recognizes that his sin could be forgiven, yes, but there was still a stain, mm. and, and it had left a guilt on his soul. Um, the, the first verse talks about blot out my sin, but from there it goes into a progression of where he's seeking the Lord for something deeper, uh, blot out my sin, God, but also cleanse me and renew me and create in me. So the the whole psalm is a progression wow. of the repentance that God will give. So the first, like the blot out is maybe something almost like legal, like I want to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. There's something on my record and I want that taken care of. But like you're saying, he didn't just want to be forgiven. He wanted something deeper to happen in him. Right, exactly. Which I, th- I mean, when I, when I read this psalm, again, it's, it's, just, it's clear to me that this is written from a person who has a deep 
understanding of who God is. Yeah. Right? And so he had already walked with God. So he, for him, he knows God isn't satisfied with me just being forgiven. And David himself wasn't satisfied Mm -hmm. just with being forgiven because, like, he knew the intimacy. He knew the fellowship with God. He knew the sweetness of walking with God. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, yeah, I need to be forgiven, but I need a deep work. Yeah, yeah. And you can see it um, with with any sin, we have to keep coming back to God and asking him to cleanse us from the same sin again and again until the guilt is completely removed out of our soul. And that's the case with certain sin that, well, like a sin like David committed here, um, it was deep and he had lain in it for quite a while. Like it, it was in his soul and he knew that there was something wrong inside of him. And so he knew where to go. Yeah, more than just what he had done. Like there yeah. was a deep consequence to his sin. Not... Again, not just, it's not like he was unforgiven, right? Right. When he asked, when he said, I've sinned against the Lord, Nathan said, the Lord has put away your iniquity, you mm-hmm. know? Like, you're forgiven, but I think what you're saying is so important that it's not just that he had done something that had affected other people, it had deeply affected David. Yes. Yes. It, it had changed him inside as a person. And he was very concerned about that because if that doesn't change inside, the potential's there to go right back to it again. And plus, God's not pleased with it. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, he felt that intimacy that was cut off from God that he had at one point. The knowledge was there. He, he had that knowledge, like you said. He had that deep relationship with God. And if you look at it, it wasn't just the sin, but there was a lifestyle that he was walking in at that point that was away from God. Mm. And so he recognized, man, my heart really needs a work like the creator God has to come back into me and create me again. Mm. That's how bad sin messes us up inside. Mm. It, it is amazing when you look at all of the things that he's asking the Lord to do, you know? And exactly what you're just saying, the creator God has to come in, you know? Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop. Wash me. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. <laughs> Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. There's... He's, yeah, you're right. He is aware that he has done something Mm -hmm. that he cannot undo. Right. And he needs divine power. Yes. To come back. Yes. He has zero ability. So that's the poverty that, that he realizes now. And, yeah, we can see it throughout this psalm. In verse 8, he says, Give me back my joy again, 
you have broken me. And so his sin is like a broken bone in him. And obviously, the strength would go out of your body if you were trying to live with a broken bone. And so he, he was pressed down. He realized his guilt. And yeah, he, he's asking God to deal with him as a person. And he's asking God, God, write your law on my heart. Write it new. So God's word writes his image inside of us, his, his law. And David recognized his sin had made it distorted, and, and it wasn't clear in his own heart. And so in verse 10, he came to God and said, God, I'm coming to you, and I need you to remove the evil that was in me, and I need more than just to be swept clean. I need you to fill me. I need you to give me your spirit. I need you to do a work inside my heart. And so he's asking for the renewing of the truth that was once there, but he's also asking God to create create in me something beyond my birth. Like mm. the way I was born, I looked at my mother in, in the previous verse, and she was a sinner too and me likewise. And so God, I'm coming to you and asking you to give me yourself. And David saw the cause of the disorder in, in his life, and he prays for God to do a complete work in both sides of it. Hmm. So what is salvation but a clean heart and a steadfast spirit? And that's what David's praying for. He's praying hmm. for that unbroken fellowship with God. And so what would be the point of repenting if it wasn't bringing us back to God and, and back to fellowship with him? And so David has a sincere heart. Um, he's, he's seeking repentance. He's seeking forgiveness. He's seeking to make things right. But ultimately, he wants that relationship with God. Hmm. Um, so as you counsel men, I'm sure you've seen men who are very much like this, and then you've seen men who are not. Both of them are here in the program because they want to get rid of sexual sin, mm -hmm. but some of them are taking the, the approach David did and others are not. What's the, like, what's the difference? How do you see, first let's talk about somebody who doesn't take this position. They're still trying to get free from sexual sin, but what does it typically look like? How can you tell, oh, okay, they're not really humbling themselves? There's a lack of grieving. There, there's a lack of really seeing what their sin has done. There's often a, a sorrow because of the consequence. And so a lot of people come into the program with the consequence, which is fine. I think that's how a lot of people start. But it has to eventually go to where they become under conviction. If someone doesn't have that happening, it's a matter of beginning to ask and, and telling them, you have to go to God and ask him to give you what you don't have. Mm. Um, ask him to give you a sorrow that's clearly not there. 
go to God and ask him to give you brokenness. And so this psalm is excellent because you can have someone just begin to pray through it and just tell them, pray this through to God, take it back to him and begin to ask him, begin to seek, begin to knock. And with it, we do deal with what is there already. So obviously guys come into the program and there's plenty to work on up front, but yeah, it has to come to where they desire to come into repentance mm. or, or else it's just basically trying to bring someone to faith where their heart hasn't been changed. And so what's inside is going to continually dirty on the, the outside. It's like putting clean garments on a dirty body and it's just going to keep coming out again and again and again. So they try to fight the flesh. They try to do what you're asking them to do, but there's no there's no progress because the the flow of the heart is still just in the same direction as it always was. Yeah, that's a really good point because what is lacking also up front is seeing their need and and seeing that they can't change themselves. And so most times people think they can do something. I have some kind of ability to help myself, and it's simply not true. Mm. And so it's that, it's that humility, that poverty that they need to come into and, and see it. And so that's where counseling can help them to see that. Mm. And just then continued failure. Oh, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's the Lord's mercy that lets a person continue to struggle and fail to get the pride out of the way and to help them to see their complete need to live in the light, to get help from people, to get prayer from people, and wait on God. Hmm. Yeah, just sitting, waiting waiting on him, but also seeking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, man, when the Lord put in those four things, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, the Lord knows what he's doing by putting humble yourself as step number one. Mm-hmm. So it's like what you said, without without the pride getting out of the way, you can do a lot of other things, but you don't make any any progress. That's right, yeah. Not spiritually. Um, we can't go anywhere in pride. It's, mm-hmm. it's not going anywhere. So yeah, and it is a process. We can humble ourselves, but ultimately the Lord has to do a work inside of a person. But our requirement is to humble ourselves mm-hmm. and over time, depends how long someone's been in their sin. Um, it, it can take time for someone to really see how completely out of it they've been. But the Lord can do it. He's faithful to do that. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we didn't focus on at all because we were looking specifically at just one aspect of this psalm, which was humbling yourself, um, is... The heart of the Lord. Mm. 
is just radiating yeah. from this psalm. Because David, again, David knew God. He wouldn't ask the Lord for any of this stuff if he didn't really believe that God, God's desire, his burning desire was to actually hear David's prayer and do this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And he laid out the path for everybody else. So, yeah, the Lord is just amazing. Uh, so sweet behind all of this and bearing all of us, mm. um, bearing David and everything he had done. Yeah, the Lord is just so faithful and long-suffering. And it, it's his heart to want to restore someone to do mercy. Um, it's not his will that David would be destroyed because of this, but he wants to restore him. All right, I think that about does it. If you've been studying along with us in this series, then go ahead and study Psalm 107 and Luke 11, 1 to 13, because that's what we're going to be talking about in our next episode. And if the Lord has been revealing things to you through this series, whether it's our conversations or your own personal study, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to purityforlife at purelifeministries.org, or you can send us a message on social. And also, if you haven't yet listened to the bonus content from episode 527, please check that out. Michael Wheaton and I discuss some of the methods that he uses to study the Bible, and some of you might really benefit from that conversation. Okay, and finally... Our conference is just around the corner, but I want to put out the word one more time because it isn't too late to make plans to join us on April 28th and 29th. It's going to be a wonderful weekend of really seeking after the Lord and hearing from Him. You can go to conference.purelifeministries.org if you want more details. That's it. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.